0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grants flagship podcast. I'm your host, Josh Dooley, and with me riding shotgun, as always, is Chuck Holmes. It's uh, great to be back for another week, another slow, slow week in the Ohio State news cycle, but we forge ahead because Chuck and I are professionals. We're going to spend much of today's pod discussing unpopular opinions, which is Land Grants' theme for this week and also a theme pretty much throughout Chuck's life. I don't think he has ever had a popular opinion. So using that as an introductory runway, Chuck, what's up, brother? Uh, You feel that little grenade I launched in your direction? You're not wrong,
1: unfortunately. I I wish I could
0: say you were, Uh,
1: but uh, the people are going to have to listen to him anyway, so they're they're stuck with me.
0: So uh, how's the wallet this week? Any good beats or bad beats from your NBA playoff betting?
1: no i didn't uh nothing crazy this week it was a pretty uh dull up and down not a lot out there that i liked looking at either i think that was part of it i just couldn't uh couldn't throw myself into anything uh unlike you i don't i didn't have 14 10 leggers that i hit eight or nine of them on so uh, i'm feeling still feeling a little better about myself than you are
0: i'm on the comeback though i've had a couple good ones but uh Anywho, before we jump in and share some of our unpopular opinions, Chuck, we need to discuss the biggest news of the past week. And I forgot to bring this up, but that big news is the announcement of EA Sports reaching some sort of NIL deal that will allow players to opt into the next iteration of the company's college football game. NCAA football by EA was arguably the most popular game on the planet for a long time. It went away after the 2014 release. And a comeback has been in the works for a few weeks, so I wanted to address this as the biggest news of the week. Seems like we actually have light at the end of the tunnel. Chuck, you and I are both getting a little older. We don't pick up the sticks as often as we used to, but like 1-10, to how excited are you for the return of the NCAA football game next year?
1: I'm a 10, and like you said, even though I'm not going to play a ton,
0: just because of you know, I got a couple kids and it's just not going to happen
1: or happen. I'm happy for everybody else. My God. Yeah. The kids of this generation, like I, I'm actually really excited. I have an 11 year old. Like I, I I'm so fired up for him because he is going to be uh, leading into his teenage years, have a game that we uh, broke many a controllers, arguing with each <laughs> other about <laughs> how things were going and, uh, why you were upset that I had Reggie Bush and Lendale White running the triple option together when that never happened at USC ever? But yeah, I, I'm fired up. I am. I'm actually super fascinated to see the details come out of this because I feel like this could be a really, really great thing, and uh, and there can be a, a good partnership between EA and, and the players but I also think it could go really bad if EA doesn't manage this correctly and wants to try to lowball or whatever it is. Obviously, I don't know the the exact uh, concept of how they're going to get paid for this, but if they don't do it right and it's only 10% of the players, then it's going to look janky, and I just hope that's not the, the path they end up going down.
0: I, I think basically they're going to break off whoever the cover athlete is. They're going to have to figure out some sort of dollar figure that makes that individual happy. And then I just think the rest of the guys will want to play with their own likeness in this game. I mean, guys and players who are in college now, they played this game, but they were younger when they were doing so. And they've probably played the like the updated versions with the new rosters you find online and stuff like that. So I would have to think that they are excited. It is unfortunate for CT, your boy, though, that you brought up. He was an athlete, and you've got two They were athletes. They may have been. Now you're going to struggle to get them out of the house. So I don't know how well that speaks for their athletic careers as they go into their teenage years because they're going to play this game 24-7. But that's a pretty cool thing. And a couple of other things I wanted to cover before we share our unpopular opinions, which again is the theme week for Land Grant this week. Chuck, first up, a few of Chris Holtman's former Ohio State basketball players made the news this past week since we recorded last or since our last pod came out. First, Tanner Holden, who transferred to Ohio State last year, announced that he is now transferring back to Wright State, his original school. And I think that this was the only way for him to avoid sitting out a full season, if I'm not mistaken, by going back to his original school. And honestly, I was excited about Holden's arrival in Columbus. I thought he would fit in seamlessly. Instead, we saw some holes in his defense. Maybe there was some tension with the coaching staff. Then he gets put into the doghouse and never comes out. So I think he got a raw deal. Obviously, I was not in the locker room. And who am I to tell Chris Holtman how to do his job? But Holden could have given the team some much-needed scoring, in my opinion. And his defense was really no worse than Bryce Sensaballs or Sean McNeil's. And so instead, we got a healthy dose of ice like Akele, who, you know, come on, give me a break. The guy shot like 30% average three points a game. So what do you think about this, Chuck, with the whole Tanner Holden situation?
1: I'm happy for him that he was able to find a place he can go. I'm happy that Wright State and the players were open to it. I know I, I read something that the head coach mentioned that he had talked to the team and talked to the guys that were there when he left. I'm sure there were some hurt feelings when he left because he was "quote unquote" leaving for greener pastures. So I'm happy that he was able to land somewhere. Um, I I don't have a a gauge on whether this is an unpopular opinion or not, but I do think that this was a a major miss by Chris Holtman because if it was defense or attitude or whatever it was that cost him to not play. How do you not do your homework and know that he has a bad attitude or can't? like did you not watch film like I knew Tanner Holden didn't play like lockdown defense and I watched maybe one and a half right state games. He was a he was a bucket getter. And that was the thought as to why he was coming in here. And for whatever reason, he didn't. So I'm happy that he found a a, a soft landing spot and I hope he kills it for him next year.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that he was 20 points per game and came to Ohio State and then was a DNP for most of the second half of the season. I mean, even when a guy...
1: On a bad team, on a really bad team, on top of it.
0: On a really bad team that struggled to score a lot of the time. And, you know, the guys who do the bucket heads pod for Land Grant, they probably had some really good information about this. But, again, just from my point of view... It's rare, even when you see these guys take this big step up to go to a a big P5 school and just not produce at all. You're right, that's a very big miss. And you know, who's to say if they got somebody else instead of Tanner Holden, it would have made any sort of difference with the Ohio State team last year? I don't think that it would have. But it is sort of crazy. And so the other former Holtman Coach Buckeye I wanted to mention is or was Seth Towns. So Towns, as you may remember, is from Columbus, but began his college career at Harvard in 2016, okay? He won Ivy League Player of the Year as a true sophomore. Then he missed two seasons due to injury, transfers to Ohio State for the 2020-21 season, played in 25 games as a reserve, and then missed two additional seasons due to injuries. I think we all assumed Towns was done with college basketball, but just This past week, he entered his name into the transfer portal, announced that he is going to Howard, which um, I think is an HVAC school. And so, first of all, he's got at least one more year. I read somewhere that he may have an additional two years of eligibility. Chuck, my man is going to be 26 years old when the next college basketball season begins. What are we doing here? You know, is this one of those times where you say, let the guy further pursue his dream and it's a feel-good story? Or is it just time to move on? I mean, he went to Harvard. I assume he's got a great educational background, could go out and get a real job. And look, I know the mar- job job market's tough out there, but he's got to be able to land a gig somewhere. This, this is sort of that Peter Pan scenario for me. You know, to to stick around in college, this is going to be his seventh, eighth year, something like that. I just think it's crazy, Chuck. Tell me that I'm crazy for having like sort of a negative perception of this. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because Seth
1: Towns is a really, really good person and mm-hmm. he has had the worst luck, right? Like he didn't ask for this, but yeah. you're completely right. Like there's no, like, I, I just don't, I don't believe that college athletics should be an eight year endeavor. They just shouldn't. And it stinks that he had such terrible injury luck, but at some point there has to be a number that you put on it. And it's like, it used to be you played four and five years and you just, you were done, right? That was it. You had five years to play four seasons. And if you didn't get it done tough, if you lost two of those seasons to quote unquote season ending injuries One out of 15 guys would get that, but that was a one time thing, and it was so rare that that happened. Like, for him to get essentially three extra seasons here is it it just it's not what college athletics is about. And by all means, Seth Towns, like go to Howard, get your education, but I just don't see why I, I just don't see the being able to play basketball part.
0: Yeah, I mean, 26 years old, he's going to be playing against 18-year-olds, maybe a couple 17-year-olds, who knows. But, um, yeah, like I I don't want to sit here and trash the guy because you're right. He seems like a great individual, clearly a good head on his shoulders, going to an Ivy League school, winning player of the year, um, talented basketball player, but, gosh, you want to talk about nearly a decade. It'd be funny, though, if he somehow achieved his doctorate while Stetson Bennett couldn't even get a bachelor's. That'd be pretty, pretty (laughs) crazy, right? So, and Chuck and I are laughing because if you haven't heard, there's, I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but supposedly Stetson Bennett still has not earned his undergrad degree from Georgia after his crazy odyssey that he had. So just a couple of like separate pieces of business there. Uh, As far as Chris Holtman, Chris Holtman's former basketball players at Ohio State. Chuck, the last thing that I wanted to touch on, and I also want to use this as a transition to our unpopular opinions. So Chuck, I'm going to clear out here, let you cook. I'm going to set some screens after I bring this up. So Chuck is a huge Los Angeles Lakers fan and D'Angelo Russell is a Los Angeles Laker who was once an Ohio State Buckeye and the second overall pick in the 2015 NBA Draft. Terrible, terrible series thus far against the Nuggets. We're recording before Game 4, so who knows if he shakes out of this. But again, this is a former Buckeye, so I want to bring it up before we jump in and let you use this as a segue. How enjoyable has the d experience been for you as a Lakers fan?
1: It hasn't been as unenjoyable as I anticipated because I watched him a lot with the Timberwolves and he just did not play winning basketball with the Timberwolves at all, right? Now, playing with LeBron sometimes will uh, beat that out of you and it has to a point, but there are still moments that... Uh, while while D'Angelo Russell is a very talented basketball player, there are way too many moments in almost every game that he thinks he's the best player on the court, and he may not even be the fourth best player on his team on the court. And that part of it, it, it's really frustrating to watch. It's great when he's hitting shots, and it's fun for those three or four minutes, but it's almost like, It's it's worse for the team because then you know if he gets hot in the first quarter he's not stopping (laughs) he could go four for five in the first quarter and guess what end up five for seventeen because he's not going to stop shooting Uh, the the defensive side of it is um, is even less consistent if that's possible like he is for a point guard he like he's big he can he has the wingspan the speed and he has the agility to be a good defensive player he just doesn't try so it is um, he is a re- he would be a really good six man on a really good team i think that is where he would excel to be able to come in with a second team and kind of run the show you talked about how you were going to clear out well that's his expectation as well <laughs> he and i he and i have the same expectation uh me on the podcast and him on the court he doesn't care who's on the court with him like lebron's the leading scorer in the nba is like ah lebron i got this buddy yeah go ahead and sit in the corner or 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 just don't even come over half court i'll just shoot over all five guys there were there have been multiple possessions this off this playoffs where he's literally gone one on three one on four and fired up an ill-advised jump shot it's just he's super talented. Um, his head's just not where it needs to be to be a winning basketball player.
0: Yeah, and this is where I'll sort of weigh in with my first semi unpopular opinion. I think the D'Lo is one of the. Gosh, I really don't want to trash the guy. I don't dislike him, but he is one of the the bigger letdowns. In the past, you know, ten, fifteen years or whatever, as far as Ohio State basketball players transitioning to the NBA for me personally. And I know that there have been quote unquote busts. And I know like you take a guy like EJ Liddell, he's been hurt. So you can't say anything about him really. Evan Turner, the the latter half of his career, especially got really rough, but he has been a, a big disappointment for me because I had such high expectations. I remember watching him play at Ohio State, and I was like, you know, this guy is... I'm exaggerating a little bit, but he was a little Magic Johnson-esque, right? His basketball brain was not there, but just big point guard, not the fastest guy in the world, but could just get to his spots because he was bigger, played a flashy game, could shoot a little bit, uh, you know, and still can, but... And then he goes number two, and he wasn't in the greatest situations, but like I remember when he went to Brooklyn, and he made an all-star team with the Nets. I was like, man, I think this guy's going to turn it around. And he signs for big money, goes to the Warriors. It's like, oh, wow, he's going to get to play next to Steph and Clay. That didn't work out so well. And then the Warriors were more than happy to get rid of him. And he goes to Minnesota. You're right. He, I think there was a relationship there with Carl Anthony Towns but they couldn't really mesh they neither one of them is a winning basketball player really if you if that's your number 1 or number 2 i think you're in big time trouble and so i just i had set the bar so high for dlo that i thought he was really going to be something special and he has turned into kind of a chucker who makes poor decisions and when he's good he's he's still very good like when he's on it's pretty special to watch but he's probably going to be on his fifth team well i guess fifth organization fifth phase right cuz he's been with the lakers twice now he's sort of getting passed around the league i i don't think the lakers have are going to re-sign him after this experience that he that he has really sort of hurt them in the playoffs so yeah, you're a bigger Laker fan than I am, but we we both were, and I, I think we still are a little bit D'Lo fans, but it is just really not worked out, and he's played some of his worst ball at the worst possible time, especially for your team that's trying to compete for a title, so just a big letdown for me and a semi-unpopular opinion that I'm so disappointed in what he has amounted to, I guess.
1: The other part that's kind of crazy, and I, I know this is minuscule, but this kind of goes into like his mindset. So twice in these playoffs, he has a uh, a some kind of uh, interest in, I think it's called Coco 5. It's a, a sports drink. And twice, he has tried to sneak that onto the uh, press conference table so that he could get free publicity for it because it's something that he's interested in, knowing – that there's 25 NBA uh, employees in that building. He knows the rules about that stuff, and yet he still tries to do it during the playoffs, after wins, after losses. It doesn't really matter. He's there for him. And that part of it is really it, – it's it kind of just goes to show his current mentality. And when you're making $30 million a year, maybe it's hard to be told what you're doing is wrong. But he's a free agent, and he's not going to get thirty million this year. So maybe that will be the eye opener that he needs when his contract doesn't match uh, superstardom levels anymore for a couple of years. And look, he's young enough; he could get three more contracts. So
0: he's barely as old as Seth Towns.
1: Right. (laughs) He could. uh, He's got a lot of basketball ahead of him and and maybe uh, getting woken up to he's only going to get to mid-level this year might change his mindset on how he needs to play ball. Yeah.
0: And hopefully it does. Right. Maybe he can still put it together to where maybe he can make a couple more all-star teams, because to your point, yeah, he's still very young. And if he gets in a, a better situation or he just learns from the situations that he has been in. I still think that there's time to turn it around. We've seen point guards especially be wildly successful into their mid-30s. So he's got, you know, a decade ahead of him if he can get his head on straight and play the game the right way, play winning basketball for his next team, whatever that or whichever team that ends up being. So just some some basketball talk for the beginning of the pod here, but I think it's time to rip off the band-aid. Let's, let's share some of these unpopular opinions that chuck and i might catch a little bit of heat for so we're gonna do a little bit of that right after we take a break
1: hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting
0: Go to your happy place for a happy
1: price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, the theme this week on Land Grant Holy Land is unpopular opinion. So whether that's football, basketball, baseball, um, Ohio State related, we're going to say central to our Buckeyes here and just share a couple, going to fire off some Maybe controversial, but definitely unpopular opinions, I think. Chuck, I'm going to let you lead off here. Why don't you hit me with your first unpopular opinion that you took some notes on? So my
1: first, and I don't even know that it's unpopular um, with the way this the Ohio State fan base is, but it's probably unpopular in college football in that if Jim Knowles' defense doesn't consistently perform... At the level that he's being paid for it to perform this year, uh, that his job should be in question. And the reason I say this because in 2023, there are no five-year fixes anymore. You get two. That's it, right? Uh, we we can have a conversation about whether Deion Sanders is the right answer for uh, Colorado all we want. He's not. But he knows he he well. <laughs> he knows he doesn't have three. He knows he doesn't have three years. He's got he's got two. And he needs to show some progress this year. So Jim Knowles showed some progress this year as a defensive coordinator. Or I'm sorry, last year. He showed some progress. It was a better defense. But when it mattered most, it was awful. So he... That can't happen again. Um, even if the team doesn't win those games this year, which, good Lord, if they don't... The defense can't be the reason... They lose to Michigan this year and can't be the reason they lose in the college football playoff. You just can't. Especially the way it happened last year. So it's it's just it's it is what it is in twenty twenty three. He's just his defense has to perform this year, or it will be an indictment on the entire coaching staff, and it will start with him, but the defensive coaching staff's heads will roll.
0: So I don't know if I would consider this, it's not a an extremely unpopular opinion. In my opinion, I think it's a little bit early to have that take, but I can see for miles and miles and miles where you're coming from. Because you're right, especially at a school like Ohio State, you don't get three, four, five years to turn it around. And that's tough to say because the record has still been there for the Buckeyes. But yeah, if they falter in big games to the extent that they did against a Michigan to, you know, even go back a little bit, like they had trouble sort of slowing down Maryland as much as I thought that they could have or should have. And then really very few answers for Georgia. So on the biggest stages or later in the year, Ohio State's defense was slash gash and everything in between the I think his saving grace or you know if the, if it's a bit rocky at times this year, I think he does get the a bene, uh, small benefit of time though because he does need to be able to bring his guys in and bring some guys that they have recruited in because you look at what he inherited, Yes, lots of talent, but look at some of the underachievers. You know, Zach Harrison really liked the guy. He was an underachiever. Javante John-Baptiste. Jim Knowles was for having a great pass rush. Those guys couldn't really get it done. You look on the inside of that defensive line. Teron Vincent, five-star recruit, didn't really amount to much. Mike Hall Jr., Tyleek Williams were in and out of the lineup last year. So they dealt with injuries. They dealt with inconsistency. And they dealt with a, a battered secondary that also lacked talent. That was probably the, the biggest problem, I think, was the secondary. And that's a different conversation for a different day, what sort of doomed that defense last year. But they have to be able to get some new, talented defensive backs in, the linebacker situation set. And we know the talent that is there with JT Tui-Moloow, Jack Sawyer, uh, Caden Curry, Kenyatta Jackson looked really good in the spring or has looked really good in the spring. Uh, Jordan Hancock, we hope is finally healthy. But then on the other hand, they've also supplemented with the transfer portal. So you can't say, Oh, it's all about recruiting because they've gotten Davison, and and Jihad Carter guys like that in. So it's not like he's starting from scratch. So, I'm with you. It does need to improve. The play does need to improve. But Ohio State has a really difficult schedule this year. And we'll talk about that more as the season gets closer. But Wisconsin's going to be better. Penn State could learn how to throw the ball with Drew Aller at quarterback. USC is going to be coming eventually, UCLA eventually, into the Big Ten. And you know Michigan is a really, really good team right now. I would say they have to be considered the odds-on favorite. But if Ohio State, their defense performs well against the Penn States and Michigans of the world, and you can't hang a loss necessarily on a defense that gives up five yard, five plays of 50-plus yards, then I think that buys him additional time. But I do think that he needs to continue to show a lot more progress. And it, it's pass rush and it's secondary play for me that's going to help him and this defense progress even further. Tick-tock, tick-tock, he's on the clock, but He's yeah. not
1: He's not going to – he won't see USC and UCLA be a part of the Big Ten if he doesn't figure it out this year, in my opinion. And I, I don't think it's wrong um, because it's not like Ohio State's the, the only place that's holding guys to that standard, right? If this is a, a college football thing and you mentioned that he had to bring his own guys in, well, who has he brought in? Like we brought in Tanner McAllister, but who 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 did who has he brought in? Like we don't hear anything about Jim Knowles being the guy that that closes any deals, and that's fine if he's not, but that means he better be able to coach up the guys that all the other recruiters are bringing in.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing too is, as far as recruiting goes, he has not been on the front line. You know, he had the kid uh, Tackett Curtis, I think that it was like his first big target they missed he's going to USC and so who's he landed thus far I think he's probably played a role in many guys deciding to commit to Ohio State but he's the linebacker guru he's not brought in well that you know they have Peyton Pierce coming in but that I would say that's a Jim Laurenitis recruit and whoever else they get but he has to help his own cause um which is a segue for me. I think another guy that could help Jim Knowles' cause and Ohio State, you know, in general, is Larry Johnson. And so that's who I want to address with my first unpopular opinion, which is, and this hurts to share or say or say out loud, but and I'm not even sure if I believe it, but here goes nothing. I think that if Ohio State's pass rush struggles again this year. It might be time for Larry Johnson to pass the sticks to someone else. You look at it, the Buckeyes have not had a dominant pass rusher since Chase Young in 2019. Recruiting along the defensive line has been solid, but the production and the development have not been there. You know, I mentioned Teron Vincent and Zach Harrison, both five stars. They didn't necessarily flop, but they were not very productive. The 2020, cl- 2020 class was a flop. They landed three defensive linemen, two transferred out pretty quickly. The 2021 class was loaded. Kudos to Larry Johnson for landing Tui Al, but both he and Sawyer, along with Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams on the inside, all of those guys have flashed, but they need to show some consistency and some dominance, I would say, at some point. And we haven't really seen the 2022 guys, though I am optimistic And then in 2023, as far as recruits go, the Buckeyes landed Jason Moore, pretty, you know, highly ranked coveted recruit. They did get Joshua Mickens, who I think has upside, but late in the process, they sort of put on the full court uh, uh, press after they had missed on a lot of other targets. And also Will Smith Jr., who is a legacy guy, Um, doesn't mean he can't be great, but I don't think there was a ton of convincing for him to come to Ohio State. So regardless, it's not really about recruiting for me. It's about development and production. So I think we need to see a much better pass rush and some production up front. Otherwise, you know, Larry Johnson's best days might be behind him. This is the, um, and, and I don't know if we're
1: allowed to say this guy's name, I might get this bleeped out, but this is—he's he, currently in like the Zach Smith zone, where Zach Smith brought in all these guys. Like he, now, he wasn't Hardline. Heartline is just on another level. But like the receiving, re, the receivers recruiting was not bad before Hartline got there. The problem was they got on campus and never got taught anything, right? And that's where you're risking things with Larry Johnson right now. And you're right, like you're bringing in quote-unquote pedigree. And he's also the, um, he, he's currently like fighting his past, right? Because you've had Bosa's, because you've had Chase Young, but that's that's part of the role, right? Like that's what you have to do. Like you can't rest on those laurels.
0: You set your own standard. You set your own standard. Right.
1: And guess what? There were how many past firsters were taken in the first round this year? Five
0: yeah I mean, something like that that
1: there are still pass rushers out there being developed so they've got to also be developed at Ohio State so
0: you stole this
1: one for me i i unfortunately let you go first when we were picking because this was this was on my list because i i agree like they've got to come on campus and then they've got to get better and they've got to produce and you know productions the name of the game we we could say this isn't a business but it is a business and, and Production is the name of the game, and those stars only matter when you start putting a quarterback on the ground.
0: Yeah, and I do think that improved secondary play will help that defensive line immensely, but it's been, like I said, a number of years now. They haven't had a guy crack six sacks, I don't think, since Chase Young, and that's not a big number. It would be different if collectively you had, you know, J.T. Tui Moloow with seven or eight jack sawyer with seven or eight you got some from the inside maybe we'll see that this year i'm actually very optimistic that we will but you're right they need to get after the quarterback to help the rest of the defense and we can't continue this lull in defensive line production so that's my first big unpopular opinion Uh, i said that larry johnson may need to pass the sticks i will pass the sticks back to you chuck What is your next unpopular opinion? This one, again, I'm not even sure where it's
1: unpopular. I definitely know it's not unpopular with your former co-host, having listened to you guys for a while. But there should be a complete overhaul of the medical and training staff at Ohio State if this year they struggle again not to get guys, not that guys get hurt, because football players get hurt. But if they struggle to get guys back on the field again with qu- what is being described as quote-unquote normal football injuries, there's, there needs to be an overhaul to the processes that happen at, in the Woody Hayes, because it is a, a problem for this football team that when somebody gets hurt, they don't return in the timeline that um, should be expected
0: yeah this is a good one and I d- I wish I had more to add to it I'm just I'm not educated enough I am not knowledgeable enough to know what some of the issues or possible issues are but we this cannot continue you know guys in and out of the lineup not Look, you're going to deal with injuries, right? Stuff like that happens. But for Jackson Smith and Jigba to sprain his ankle, you know, high ankle sprain or whatever, and really not be able to come back all year, that's a problem. For Travion Henderson to miss games at a time, that's a problem. I know running backs get beat up, but it's like Ohio State should have the depth to cover for this. And Maybe that speaks to some of the missteps in recruiting that they haven't. But, yeah, it, maybe it's a mentality thing. I don't know if it's true. Look, do more calisthenics, do more CrossFit. Like I don't know what the answer is. But, again, I don't know that you're un- your opinion is that unpopular. It's probably very unpopular with those individuals who are with and in the the strength and conditioning program, the medical team, this, that, and the other, but I think most Ohio State fans are pretty annoyed slash frustrated slash pissed off with the way that the last couple of years have played out with injuries. Again, this is football. Again, it's going to happen, but it's getting back. It's why is this guy out four weeks instead of two? And I know that they want to do right by the athletes and make sure they're 100%. Maybe they need to do more of that. Maybe Ryan Day needs to be involved in some more of those discussions, Um, holding a guy out a game longer than maybe he'd like to. I think we've seen that a little bit with Travion Henderson where, hey, maybe he should have sat another week, but he came back anyway. Maybe Ryan Day needs to put his foot down a little bit more. But... It's a little bit of an indictment on a guy like Mickey Muratti and, and that entire staff that these, these Buckeyes continue to get banged up and they're on the shelf for much longer than we think they're going to be.
1: I, I think Ryan Day also doesn't help this, right? Because his answers in press conferences are terrible, right? <laughs> and I get it. You don't want to give information, but at some point you have to give a definitive statement. And it doesn't have to be. Um, Jimmy Johnson has a sprained ankle. We're hoping he's back in one to two weeks. But you have to say, "Hey, he's on timeline, and this is when we expect him back in this range." And when he's not back, you have to give something, right? You have to talk about it. Like you can't just hide it, because that just makes your like that. That makes you look incompetent. Like. If Ryan Day would listen to his press conferences, which I know he doesn't, it makes his medical and training staff sound incompetent because they're so wishy-washy about these injuries. So he's not doing anybody any favors with this. And I hope uh, maybe that's part of uh, a change coming forward in in what he t- how he talks to us this year.
0: So a couple of things there. First, he doesn't have to reveal anything about these injuries, but I think I know where you're going right. with this.
1: You're right. He, he doesn't, but he doesn't. But then that's why his training staff takes heat because he doesn't.
0: And he when he does, it seems like he's just tiptoeing in and be like, oh, it could be some of this. If you want to take that hard line approach, then just say, hey, we don't talk about injuries. Period. That would probably be a better answer than some of the ones he gives where it's like, ah, you know, we we think he's feeling pretty good. We think he's going to be back. Yada, yada, yada. Again, you can take that stance and talk a whole lot without really talking a whole lot. You can say, hey, so-and-so's hurt. We don't have an update at this time. Period. That's all you're going to get. And that might piss off Ohio State fans, Ohio State uh, you know, media members, things like that but at least it would be a like a solidified approach that we just don't discuss injuries. Point blank, period, we're not going to get into it. So, yeah, I, I do think that Ryan Day could help along those lines. And if they had just said last year, for example, we don't know when JSN's going to be back, if he's going to be back, period, then fans like you and I and, and people who cover Ohio State, we wouldn't have got our hopes up to think that like, oh man, this is taking longer than they said it should or said it would. Just don't talk if, if you want to take that approach. So I think there are a couple different ways that could be handled, but I'm with you that it, it's, it's frustrating. And I think we have unpopular opinions about that sort of staff who touches that sort of that area of things. And so that's where I, I do agree with you that it's an unpopular opinion. I'll give you my next one, Chuck, and I want to pivot away from football a little bit. This will probably be our last one, just looking at you know time constraints here. We're going to shift away from football, and I want to talk about Ohio State basketball. My last unpopular opinion is that I think 2023 or the 23-24 season is, going, it is a make-or-break season for Chris Holtman as the Ohio State basketball coach. Similar to, you know, Larry Johnson, a guy we talked about earlier. Holtman has brought in some really nice pieces, but the production, in this case, postseason results have not been there. Player production has been there with a guy like EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham. But the results, as far as the game and postseason goes, those results have not been there. The team has regressed in each of the last two seasons. Terrible middle part of the season last year, obviously. With Won a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament. Maybe picked up some momentum, but he's never made it past the second round of the NCAA tournament. And obviously he had the loss against 15-seed Oral Roberts in 2021. I really like Holtman as a dude, you know what I'm saying? Not a single complaint about his persona or attitude or anything like that. But he needs to experience some postseason success. He needs some to win some games in the NCAA tournament. I don't know what that magic number is. I'm not saying he has to make it to point A or point B. But they need to vastly improve over what we saw last year. And I do think that... I, I said I wasn't going to do this. But I think they need to sniff Sweet 16 this year. I really do. Otherwise... I think Chris Holman could be out after this next this upcoming basketball season. Apparently your uh, opinions
1: very unpopular with Gene Smith because he was <laughs> adamant that uh, Chris Holman's his guy and that he they have a great relationship and he's going to continue to lead this program and it was kind of scary to me that zero changes were made after the season, right? They made no assistant changes. They made no um, personnel change, like no uh, player development changes and like nothing. So what, you know, this kind of harkens back to the definition of insanity, right? Like what are we doing different? (laughs) Nothing. Then how are we going to expect different results? Are we all of a sudden, you know, you can count on one hand the number of guys that have gotten better under a Chris Holtman coaching staff, like significantly better and like been developed as players. Like there just hasn't been a ton of those, right?
0: Actually, DJ Chuck, let's, to- you, you sort of led me into this. And that's why I want to jump in. I, I don't want to interrupt, but I brought it up a little bit earlier and you just sort of triggered me on this. Look at last year. They brought in Tanner Holden. Couldn't get off the bench second half of the year. Whether it was attitude or not, they couldn't get anything out of the kid who br- they brought in, who was a 20 point per game scorer at Wright State. They brought in Sean McNeil. I think his point per game, points per game average dropped a tiny little bit. He had some games here and there. They brought in Ice Like Akele, who was always sort of a do a little bit of everything sort of guy, was never known for his offense, but. Like I said, shot 30% or something from the field, couldn't give you points, not much of a creator. He was known for his defense. Eh, okay. So those are just the ones I think of. And then Bryce Sensabal, he brought in this great recruit who's probably going to be a first-round draft pick, but he absolutely plateaued, did he not? So look at last year's team as the perfect example of that. Not enough development and not enough production from the guys that you brought in with experience to produce for you.
1: Absolutely. And you I mean you can add Zed Key to that, right? Zed Key, the only difference between Zed Key now and when he came into the program is he plays more. That's it. He just he he plays more minutes, so he he scores more. He's the same exact player, he makes the same exact mistakes, he makes the same exact great plays. If you uh, put a smaller guy on him in the post, he's gonna dominate him. But if you put a bigger guy on him you might as well just go ahead and sit him on the sideline because that's what he's going to offer. It's just that my, I'm concerned that you're wrong on this and that they're (laughs) going to, for whatever reason. And it's kind of crazy, right? Because this is exactly what happened to Thad and he immediately was on the hot seat. And I know Thad had some health issues that didn't help. And I don't think they had super confidence in him being able to recruit because of his health issues. But This is the exact same thing that happened. And Thad was out the door quick, fast, and in a hurry. And he's the greatest coach in Ohio State in the last 50 years. And it's not even close. And they they showed him the door. So for them to have, like, full-on... Especially in today's like transfer portal days, like you don't need to have a, a coach on a seven year deal and say he's our coach for the next seven years because guess what? He's gonna lose five guys anyway and have to bring in six transfers. So if you have a new head coach, it's irrelevant to team building anymore. It really is.
0: That's kind of a bummer too. you know that's my biggest my unpopular opinion that is that college bo- basketball kind of sucks right now. And we're not going to get into that. I'm just bringing it up off the cuff, but you're right. Like, you can turn around in Ohio State, is not Ohio State basketball, is not Ohio State football, right? The expectations are different, but there are expectations, and there is enough of a pedigree there that if you are to bring in somebody next year, the bar is still going to be relatively high because it's Ohio State, because they have resources, because they had, you know, Thad Mata's success and Chris Holtman has at least had EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham and guys like that, Bryce Sensabaugh. So, um, you know, is it unfair of me to say that it has to be like sweet 16 or bust? Because once they get to the NCAA tournament, once any team gets to the NCAA tournament, everything's on the table right we saw Purdue lose to a 16 seed but so is it unfair to say that he has to make it to a sweet 16 or better to save his job or is that just too specific
1: I I don't I don't think it's not I don't think it's that big of a jump if they have just an okay season right I'm okay with him flaming out early in a tournament if it was a competitive game and they had a good season if they're a three seed and they lose to a six in the second round whatever like if they lose on a bucket great but if they're if they slog through another regular season they're a a nine seed they barely make the tournament then yeah like you've got to do at some point you have to produce wins like this is what college sports are about now as a coach like your job is to develop players and win games the the development we we've just talked about and the winning games wasn't there this season either so yeah like winning games is probably something a coach should try to do at uh a a university that has the second largest budget for uh Intercollegiate athletics in the country.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can. I would rather. I would almost rather have peaks and valleys than consistent mediocrity. And I would say that that's sort of where Ohio State basketball has been under Chris Holtman, in my opinion, is consistent mediocrity. They've had some better regular seasons, but then they've flamed out. So, give me an elite eight run. And if that means it's followed by, you know, a, a tough season, but they are bringing in guys one year after the other, that they've got this this higher ceiling, then okay, I can live with that. You know, my other team is North Carolina. And North Carolina has sort of been like this. They've had more peaks and valleys recently. Two years ago, they played in championship game. And then this year, they struggled. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's going to happen, especially when you have Caleb Love on your team. So, it, yeah, it's just... Ohio State should not be content with 18 to 20 regular season wins, a plucky performance in the Big 10 tournament and then a round of 32 loss. Like that's just not good enough and he hasn't done better than that at any point. So I I do firmly believe that if it's another season like, you know, again 18 20 wins and they don't perform in the tournament then that's a problem for me. And I think it's going to be a problem for uh, a lot of other people. So that was my last one, Chuck. I think we're about to wrap it up here. Did you have anything else to add? Any sort of like anything you wanted to lob out there at the end, or are you about ready to take this thing home? Two things. One, uh, email hit a snag, so we don't have an email yet. But I have
1: two, two listener questions. (laughs) But I, I, I don't... What what pisses me off and these list they're listeners so I love you guys they're both for you, they specifically <laughs> wanted your opinion and that's that's BS I don't, I don't maybe we're gonna have to fix what's BS is I
0: think these are coming from you to make me look <laughs> bad but I'll play along I'll play along,
1: <laughs> no so the first one uh, and, and I think this is because you brought it up and I have an opinion that I'm gonna give regardless the first question was what was your go to spot back when you were at Ohio state, we talked about a bunch of them and I think they're meaning, uh, I kind of got the impression that it wasn't like pizza joints. Like they were, yeah. yeah. You no, know, like our, our place, your place that you went to when you wanted to do something that, uh, had some low morality to it.
0: All right. So I, I'm going to throw out like the short North and downtown around Columbus. Cause you brought, this is a, an Ohio state centric pod. So this is going to age both of us, I'm sure. But number one had to have been four kegs. Um, the picture, the pitchers uh, of liquid dope, and I know that's a terrible name, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Four kegs, the patio environment. Um, you could just go there year-round, and it, it was packed. It was crazy. Nothing beat a picture of whatever your libation was. Um, on the patio at Four Kegs, looking over 15th. And then the other one that immediately came to mind uh, a little bit further down the way is Mianis. And I think Mianis was underrated, oh. actually. I think Mianis was very underrated, though. But if you wanted to go and, you know, just dance like you didn't have a care in the world because I used to have that rhythm, I used to be about that life, I loved Miani's as sort of like a, a a night nighttime nightclub sort of spot, even though it wasn't necessarily built. is that the way the way that some other locations were um, loved Mianis. so I'm gonna go four kegs and mianis those those are both very good.
1: Four kegs was like the and I don't remember what night they had the the liquid dope uh, parts or the deals, but any night of the week.
0: Oh, oh, sorry, Chuck, I can't forget Outer Inn. Uh, hole in the wall, uh, but <laughs> Outer Inn. So if I have to give you a top three, Outer Inn as well. Mug night.
1: You couldn't beat Mug Night. Dollar Mugs was, was always a good time. But Four Cakes was that, that place where like once the weather broke in April until the end of the school year – and we went when it was back in uh, this is how old we are. We went when it was quarter. So we went into June. <laughs> so we had a two solid months there where that patio every night was just it was just a good hang. So it f- for me, it kind of it kind of ebbed and flowed, right? Like when Tuesdays were our hot times, like Nio's was it. and when Wednesdays were it, it was Miani's and Thursdays were. Were old school and Fridays were red zone. Like, I, I can't <laughs> place one because it kind of ebbed and flowed, right? And and I, I maybe
0: it ebbed five or six nights a week though. Yeah, was the problem?
1: I may, I may be making this up, uh, but in in my eyes, wherever we went is where it was popping the most. So that could be inaccurate. <laughs> I could, (laughs) it could have been uh, that I was just uh, uh, inebriated everywhere we went and I thought they all wanted to be my friend, but yeah, that was, uh, those were all good ones and and I don't think there's a wrong answer amongst those. So Uh, the other one is football related and I didn't get, I I forgot to write down the name of the first person, but this one, we're not, uh, uh, my man's name is Jim so I know I, I, wait a I minute know. Jim
0: from the town because if so I'm going to love this question who's car we
1: taking no. no it's not Jim from the town and it's also not Jim Dooley I did confirm it's not your dad that said oh Jim one. Jim 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 Okay. <laughs> but uh, so it, it was a simple question it was uh, if Ohio State loses to Michigan does Ryan Day get fired uh
0: I'm going to have to give you a non-answer because it all depends. It really depends on how the season goes.
1: We're not going to get any more questions if you don't
0: answer them. Okay, so I'll phrase it like this. No, if they have a great season otherwise and it's a competitive game. I know that three in a row is going to look bad, but if you go back and you look at the entire history of this series, again, ebbs and flows, just like you brought up. There are just there are periods, you know, go back a hundred years where Michigan dominates, Ohio State dominates. I think Ohio State has had the longest uh, period of domination. And look, Urban Meyer and Jim Tressel did Ryan Day no favors. But this is not Brady hoax Michigan. I, I don't have great things to say about Jim Harbaugh but after a rough patch, he has turned this program around or gotten it back to the level that many expect it to be at and stay at. Michigan's a very good football team, a very good football program, so if Ohio State goes 11-1 and and they lose a one-score game to Michigan, then no, I do not think that it is a death sentence uh, career-wise or Ohio State career-wise for Ryan Day.
1: I think that's fair. I think in my opinion, if he does, I think that opens him up to really exploring NFL jobs. I, I think it actually puts pressure internally on him because he knows it. And I think that could be the reason that he leaves. Because I don't think uh, an NFL team gives a damn if he, he loses to them. So I could see it being... They don't fair. even care if you uh, can
0: coach. Look at Kingsbury.
1: That That's fair. That's fair. So... I think he he is uh, going to have some internal pressure if that happens.
0: I think that's fair. And I will go a, a step further and say if he were to lose four in a row, then yes. Even if they looked good in the process or looked competitive in the process, then four in a row, absolutely. Because too many Ohio State fans like myself and like yourself, we would pull our hair out. So those were great questions and guys, we're going to wrap it up here, but I would say first and foremost, continue to send these. Um, I loved this. I know Chuck was out there looking for questions. He wants to set up an email for the pod. We want to engage with you guys, with our listeners um, on social media, specifically Twitter. So send us this stuff, send us the questions. That was a lot of fun and it helps us produce some content too. So Really appreciate you guys and really appreciate that. Um, other than that, though, Chuck and I are gonna sign off. Please do not forget to go out there, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Coming out every Wednesday throughout the summer, we're gonna keep hitting you guys with these weekly topics here and there. And make sure that you're checking out Land Grant Holy Land. As well, we'll have a lot of good content this week and every other week, in my humble opinion. So, um, you know, for Chuck Holmes, I am Josh Dooley. We're going to get out of here. Until next time, go Bucks!